From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Film Forward, we're back, we're here, and we're excited about Ladies' Night, our pop-up screening on May 18th at the West Hollywood City Council Chambers. It's just right around the corner. Grab your tickets. We are concluding our series on the Ladies' Night films, talking with the extremely talented Tayo Amos, director of On the Clock. Tayo, we appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. To say that we appreciate your film is an understatement. Oh. (laughs) To say that I fucking loved your film... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would be an understatement. Oh, that's so nice. Thank um, you. So before we dive into On the Clock, tell the audience a little bit about what the film is. Of course, yeah. So On the Clock follows Lucas Garcia. He's a young man based in East L.A. who uh, is trying to get the sanitary products that his sister needs um, when she skips school, when she gets her period for the first time. Mm-hmm. But he can't afford it. And so he's just running around town just trying to find a solution um, when he ultimately makes a uh, sacrifice for his sister. And it's basically a coming-of-age journey for both of them that follows this young man's journey to help his sister. The world that you've created... I mean, well, obviously it exists. Uh, and um, growing up poor, you can relate to these people and what they're going through. Um, but you and your team did a really fantastic job of making this world feel authentic because a lot of people depict East L.A. and poor families in East L.A. and it's not real. Mm-hmm. This felt very real to me. And I'm, I'm sure a huge part of that did you and a huge part of that comes from the script. Can you talk a little bit about your collaboration with uh, your screenwriter? Yeah. Um, so uh, the writer is actually not from East LA. She's from the UK. She's from London. Mm. And uh, we're good friends. Her name's Kathy. And um, she was reading an article about um, period poverty in the UK and was doing research on it and realized that it wasn't just a UK issue. It was a global issue and looked into LA because we both go to USC. Um, and she wanted to make the film. And she realized that it's not just a UK issue, it was LA. And Mm -hmm. specifically, we chose to focus on East LA because of the conversations we've had with nonprofit groups in that area. And we we decided that especially because the story was had Latino characters, we felt East LA has such a vibrant Latino, Latinx community that we wanted to explore. And one of the producers I brought on board, Augie Mares, is from East LA. He's from Mm -hmm. Montebello. And so after reading the script and after scouting locations and things like that, we really wanted to service the community of Montebello. We wanted to shoot most of the film, if not all the film there, just to not only highlight this issue, but also to show filmmaking in that community because there's not many film shoots happening in that area. Right. So we wanted to make sure we shot on all locations that felt real, like the food bank is a real Montebello food bank. The school is a Montebello middle school. Like every location you see in the film is pretty much Montebello or East L.A. in that area. So um, even though I'm not from that area, um, I grew up uh, low income uh, in the Bay Area. And so I definitely have an idea of what it means to, you know, do what you have to do in order to make ends meet. And I'm fluent in Spanish, so I was able to speak to people there in the community and build those relationships and build trust with people because the last thing you want to do is try to you know, take advantage of or not be authentic to the world. So that right. was definitely a priority for uh, our team, for right. sure. Well, you guys did a great job. <laughs> Thank um, you. 
Speaking of great job, the <laughs> relationship between your two leads, uh, brother and sister, they're so locked in. I mean, they're really, they're really, really great. I mean, you you get a sense of their relationship almost from the first minute of the film without any exposition. How did you build these characters with with your actors? Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, they you really sense the love without them having to ever say mm-hmm. that. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, casting was a huge challenge for this film. I knew that reading the script, I wanted to make sure that, you know, the brother and sister relationship was the core of the story. And with any film, but especially this one, it's like, oh, if you don't cast right, then you're shot. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, uh, for reading the script, Lucas is was such a really tricky role to cast because we're trying to find someone who is old enough to play a brother who would realistically take care of a 12-year-old girl on his own. Mm-hmm. So he has to be like at least 20-ish. Right. And But he has also to be young enough to kind of be naive and vulnerable in a situation where his sister gets her period and he doesn't know what to do. Right. So finding someone who's able to have both of those qualities was very hard because, you know, a lot of talented actors read for us and a lot of them read like her father or they read like a really immature little brother. It was just really hard to find someone who can nail that. And once we had... Um, Victor come in who played Lucas. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, we need him. Right. <laughs> um, I knew I couldn't make this film without him. So um, we called him back, and he did really well. And for finding the sister, that was more challenging because I had a feeling we would need to cast a non-actor for that role. Victor has some acting experience and classes and all that jazz, but all the Sophias we saw were just so, like, kid actory. You right. know, they're just like... Hi, like also happy and yeah. perfect and poised because you know LA. Right. <laughs> you caught him acting, which is not yeah. which is not a, a good thing if exactly. you're trying to depict so I a knew, real. I knew I wanted to cast a non-actor, but my and my casting director was like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, you know, I mean, uh, one film I was looking at for inspiration was Sin Nombre, mm-hmm. and I think Sin Nombre, their uh, brother sister relationship is so beautiful and organic. And I think what really helped was because it was you know an experienced actor with a non-experienced actor. The girl in the film is, you know. A, experienced actor whereas the uh, smiley he was no acting experience so right i had a feeling it was going to be the same with this fortunately we had a great relationship with montebello middle school we were filming there already and so my producers reached out to the principal and was like hey like could we have auditions with some of your students and he's like yeah totally because the principal who ended up being an associate producer on the film wanted to give his students you know access to filmmaking and the arts and understanding that so he's like yeah auditions cool. for sure so we had like 10 girls come in. Me and my producer did like improv exercises with them. And Crystal, she was there um, and she just had this presence. Like you could just tell she was so like in it. Like it wasn't a game for her. She was really, you know, listening and responding well. And we're like, okay, let's bring her into callbacks. And her and Lucas, uh, Victor, <laughs> read together. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, like, this could really work. So, of course, I was nervous about bringing a non-actor on board, especially a child actor. But, you know, I just felt like in needing her and seeing them together, it was a no-brainer. So, um, And it also helped that the scene in the bathroom scene, when she gets her period for the first time, she's... Her best friend is her actual best friend in oh, real cool. life. So I think that was a good scene for her to start out with. That was our first scene filming. And so that was a good warm-up scene for her so that by the time we got to the scenes with Victor, she felt more comfortable on set. She knew our team. And then we had had like meetings and conversations with Victor so they could feel more comfortable together. So it was very serendipitous. I'm very lucky to have found them both. And it really shows on screen. Absolutely.
Absolutely. All right, we're talking about On the Clock with Tayo Amos, and we'll be right back on Film Forward. If you like the music in our show, all songs are performed by the band Dub 8. Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. We're back. We are back on Film Forward. We're talking with Tayo about her film On the Clock. So Tayo, the film touches on a very important subject, period poverty, which we touched on a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit more in depth about it, what you and your your writing partner learned in your research process with this. Yeah, I think when I first read the script, I, after, you know, understanding the brother-sister relationship, what really got me was the fact that, you know, I never really understood of this as a global issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a woman. I've experienced periods, but I've never been in a situation where, fortunately, I've been um, in a school where they always had, you know, products around. Um, I had, I have five sisters, mm-hmm. or I have four sisters, and I just felt like that was never a problem, specifically growing up. Delving into more research, I think, what caught me the most was, again, how global it is and how pervasive it is in terms of how it affects girls' education. I think that's something that we really wanted to highlight in this film was the fact that girls do skip school. And it was important that, you know, Sophia's character, she is, you know, in the gifted program and is behind because of something that she can't control. It's funny, we had a scene where she tries to go to a nurse's office and tries to ask for help. Um, we ended up cutting it out of the film, but basically the nurse's office scene, she goes in and like the nurse is overrun with other people and she's embarrassed and doesn't know like who to talk to, all these things. So I think one thing that was very interesting for us in developing the script was this idea of people not really believing that it was a problem. We had the script pretty much as shot and a lot of faculty members while making this film, male and female ones, were really like, are you sure that she wouldn't just go and like find a friend to get money from for this. Like, it just didn't seem like a feasible thing. But the more we did research, it's like, no, like this is a very real thing. And I think there's this movement now where uh, companies like Always and Tampax are fighting this issue um, by, you know, giving products to girls around the world. And then also there's, um, you know, celebrities and influencers who are talking more about the issue. I think um, Gina Rodriguez is doing a lot of work in this area. Meghan Markle's talking a lot about this issue. Um, and it's funny, while I was in prep for the film, uh, Kathy, the writer, she would continuously send me articles be like, this is a real thing, this is a real thing, this is a real thing. Because constantly, like, uh, we were kind of getting pushback on the script. Like, really? Like, she wouldn't just go get it? And it's like, no, it's really... Well, it's like, but kids get embarrassed, too, like, mm-hmm. if, especially if it's her first period. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's her first one, and, and I think highlighting um, this, and it goes into a lot of themes in the film, but especially just the masculine aspects of the film, like, especially in the in any community, but especially in the Latinx community, men aren't seen, you know, caring about women's issues like that, and so right. it's, it was a very real issue that, like, oh, of course he wouldn't ask someone for this. Like, that's a really weird thing to ask your buddy to pour. Right. Um, so I think, of course, like any film, you got to have, like, narrative, you know, flow and 
of course, we can't address every single plot thing that could happen. But we do believe that this film shows she has to skip school. She uses a sock to stop her to as a makeshift pad. Like mm-hmm. people do that all the time. Um, and it's a very real issue. So I hope this film highlights that issue and brings it up to the forefront because it and something that I think is important about the film that it's not just Sophia's story. It's also Lucas's story. So it's not just a woman's issue. It's all of our issues to think about this. So I'm learning like all the time about it. And we're working on giving the getting the film out to nonprofits um, that work in this area to help them raise awareness for it, because there's a lot of wonderful work being done collecting products for young women and girls, especially in low income areas. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Keep fighting the good fights. Sister. Yes. So it's, yes. A, it's a worthy Normalized cause. Normalized periods. And I think what's also very helpful is, you know, uh, that uh, Netflix short doc period, period and won yeah. the Oscar and they're also USC students. And so right. just talking to them about their process of getting the film out there and getting the message out there because I, I still have to see it. But um, the fact that it deals with very similar issues is something that we're... Check it out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I'm excited. Oh. Yeah, I hear... Oh, I mean, it won the freaking Oscar. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's great. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your the collaboration with some of your other... Um, we talked about a collaboration with your cast. Let's talk about the collaboration with your DP and your production designer um, yeah. to help kind of create this world. Of course. So uh, this film was made through USC's 546 class, the advanced thesis class. And so everyone, all of our department heads are students. Mm. Um, and it's funny because all of them I have never made a film with before. Every single person from producers to editors to I literally didn't know anyone on my crew. Before spicy, <laughs> very spicy. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. But um, fortunately, like the the my lead producer or the first producer on board, um, Augie and I promised each other. We barely met. Like I met him. Like we met, and I was like, I like the script, and he's like, I like it too. Do you want to make it? I was like, cool. And we promised each other like good vibes only. Yeah. Like we are not gonna bring anybody on set that we feel like is here for the wrong reasons. And so we made sure we had that going forward for every single department head and everyone showed up. Um, the producers did such a fabulous job with all the locations we had. We had so many background actors, like the food bank, and the there were so many extras. The, like, it was insane. So they did an amazing job there. And, you know, countless other things that producers deal with that directors don't even You don't even realize. know about. <laughs> yeah, all, they, all like, the fires they, just they put out. You. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't even know what y'all did. So thank you for protecting me. The DPs and I, I think we we all, uh, there were two DPs, um, Hannah Bang and Matt Wilder. And what I loved about working with them is they were kind of like my human tripods because 90% of the film is handheld. And I made my extensive lookbook for the whole team, and they made their own lookbook, and it was very similar. We were drawing from a lot of cinema verite films like Fruitvale Station, uh, I, Daniel Blake, those kind of like social realism kind of handheld grittiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since I knew we were speaking the same language, I was like, okay, cool. It's like handheld, mostly natural lights. They use a lot of quasars on this. Right. Um, we shot on vintage lenses um, to just get that kind of grainy feel because even though we couldn't shoot on film, I wanted to have that texture. It's Yeah, it's definitely got <laughs> a filmic texture to it. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to have that to it, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, little texture. They worked really hard to make sure it felt real. That was the number one thing is just that authenticity. And the production designers, like, they killed it in terms of, again, the locations, but, like, the apartment that you see. Yeah. They dressed every single room. Like, that whole apartment was empty. Wow. Empty. <laughs> 
And we talked a lot about colors and we how we wanted to start the world warm and then it got cool in the, the back room and then it got warm again. They had a really great ideas there. Sound design was huge. Um, we had a lot to do in terms of making the construction site, for instance, feel like a real construction site because it was kind of like a parking lot we shot in. <laughs> so I was like, how can we make this feel like a construction site? Sound, perfect. Yes. And the editors went above and beyond for all the different cuts that we had to do because we had a very short time. Like we shot in September and October in post in November and screened in December. So wow. it was like a very, very fast turnaround. So is there any other department I missed? My AD was amazing. She's a saint. Like I literally like threw my shot list out the window every, <laughs> every day. And she was like, what's happening? But she <laughs> handled it like a pro. And uh, yeah, everyone worked so hard on this film. And I think what was so unique about it is, you know, it is a class. Like everyone is enrolled in the class and there's a certain buy-in into that. So I wanted to make sure that everyone felt like they were part of this film and that they would be proud of it. So I'm happy to say that I think they are proud of it. They should be. <laughs> they all did a great job. They should be proud of it and you should be proud of it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're going to see if we're proud <laughs> of your three suggestions when we come back on okay. this break. We're going to come back with Give Me Three with Tayo Amos. Hi, this is Tayo Amos, and you can see my film On the Clock at LADFF's Ladies' Night, a one-night-only special event, May 18th at the West Hollywood Council Chambers. And you should get your tickets today at LADFF.com, and you can follow the film's journey on Facebook and Instagram at On the Clock Film. Thanks. All right, we're back. We are back with Tayo Amos, and she is about to give us three suggestions, films that may have flown under your radar. Tayo, let's get your first one. So I just saw a wonderful indie film called Fast Color. Okay, Ooh, um, well, yes, I've heard Gugu of it. I have not seen it yet. With Gugu and It's like the more, it makes, it's like the female-led, more comprehensible version of Annihilation. Okay, cool. It has, like, really cool action. It's this kind of sci grounded sci-fi film that follows um, uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw's character. I'm blinking on her character's name. But she is, you know, in this world where there's not, they ha it hasn't rained in, like, years, and there's no mm. water, and she has these, like, superpowers. They're actually, like, she has these, like, you know, seizures that cause earthquakes. And oh, wow. She's trying to figure out how to control her powers, and so she goes to her mom's house, and her daughter is there, who is now, like, 10, and it's basically, like, a family drama within a sci-fi action. Love that. It's cool. I really liked it. <laughs> Check it out. They're, it's still in theaters, hopefully, by yeah, the time like, this podcast comes out. Yeah, support indie films. Don't see Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> um... Ready for the second one? Ready for it. I saw this at Sundance. I loved it. It was called Last Black Man in San Francisco. Which is coming out shortly. Yes, it's coming out in the summer in July. Mm -hmm. I've been following this film since their Kickstarter like five years ago. And it went viral and it was doing well. And I was like, where's the movie? And it took them a really long time to make it. But it yeah. was worth the wait. So, And you're I, from San Francisco. So yeah, I'm from the Bay. So it was cool seeing, especially, um, yeah, San Francisco's a really... Interesting city in that, you know, it's about 
it's a city of, you know, progress and liberalism and innovation with, you know, the tech scene. But then you just see so many people left behind in that. And my mom is dealing with that right now with, like, the cost of living there is just so, so high. Not it's just San Francisco. It's just, it's just the whole the whole Bay Bay area. It's really ridiculous. So I'm like, I'll lift. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I can't be here. I mean, people think LA is expensive. But yeah, the, but the I, bay I was spoiled living just... down here. I was like, oh, my God. This is great. And my friends who are, like, from the Midwest or other places, they're like, it's so expensive here. I'm like, don't go to the Bay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not. Especially for black people. There's, like, there's, and it's true. Like, the title's so provocative. It's true. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you don't really see any black people anywhere. It's a damn shame. Yeah. So, but it's a great movie. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And hey. third one is on Netflix, I think, still. But uh, it's one of my favorite films and it was one of the inspirations for On the Clock, Mustang. Uh, yeah. Turkish film. Right. I love this film so much. I saw it for the first time, like when it was in theaters, um, like three years ago, mm-hmm. and I was just crying in the theater. I was just like bawling. Because yeah. <laughs> I think it reminded me of my relationship with my sisters, and um, it's a really touching, well-told story about these girls dealing with the patriarchal bullshit in their society in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I think it's on Netflix. It, it still. is, I think. Yes. And it's a terrific film. Terrific I love film. it. Y'all yeah. check it out. <laughs> and you should check out Period End of Sentence. Yes, I'm going to watch that for sure. Oh um, my God. Yes. <laughs> and all of you listening at home need to check out On the Clock, which will be playing May 18th at the West Hollywood City Council Chambers, a part of LADFF's Ladies' Night. Tayo, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for making your movie. We love it so much. I've watched it, I think, like 15 times. Oh, my God. That's more Uh, than I watched. There you go. (laughs) Um, Thank you. So thank you for being here. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Film Forward, and we will see you on May 18th. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.